Welcome to the Boredom Breaker podcast where we have recently left the Shire on our long-awaited journey to Mordor. So continue to join us on this journey. Mordor is in the distant future and the Shire is sadly behind us. So uh, that's our introduction this week. What would you guys like one, to say? One more step. One more Harvest step. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, you stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to think of another. Um, what was it? Chapter one is it a long-awaited journey or something? Or I can't remember. Oh, that's the Hobbit. I think a long-expected yeah. journey. An unexpected. An unexpected journey. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, You're not being a very good nerd right now. We're not. We're not the no. best um, <laughs> Tolkien. Um, but I can't even think of the word I want to use now, which I guess is a good transition. If I can't think of the word, this week we're talking about language. Uh, so language is important, obviously, in terms of communication. And uh, I, I would say, isn't that the whole point of language in the first place is to is to communicate? Yeah. I mean, I, I have would have a hard time thinking of other mm-hmm. maybe reasons for language other than communication right yeah so what you know it's kind of like a chicken and the egg debate is so so what came first language or communication were we given the ability to communicate and then told how to communicate or were we given the mandate to communicate and then the ability to do so i, I don't I, we don't have to answer that i just thought it was a fun question to bring up hmm. were we given language first or communication first Or were we given neither? Did we have to learn to develop either one? Well, I guess it's hard to say. I mean, it seems like uh, Adam's speaking pretty quickly, you know, mm-hmm. in the Bible. Yeah, that wasn't, you know, God didn't take him through a whatever English or whatever language he spoke. Yeah, class. Hey, Adam, name all the animals. <laughs> uh... Can I have the ability to speak first? <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess innate in in Adam from from God. I mean, obviously, if he communed with God and he communed with Eve, and he named all the animals, there must have been some element of ability there to not only a speak, but then b to communicate. Um, by speak, I mean verbalize. You said uh, right. uh, uh, like to oh, so this uh, obviously I, I go from tangent to tangent. I think it's fascinating, and I don't know the statistics, but there was a study done with a bunch of little kids, and, and they put them in rooms, and they were playing with toys or whatever the case may be and, and interacting with one another. And at a certain age, girls speak 80-some words a minute. I, I, again, I'm, these numbers aren't accurate, whereas boys will enunciate onomatopoeia, it's like action words, like zoom and and stuff like that so a, a girl's vocabulary is is more extensive than a boy's even at an early age because of because of how, how they communicate and anyway that's that's just another tangent and it, maybe that's a good transition what do you guys think about that it's really funny you say that because I, I have a, a almost two-year-old and whenever he's helping like carry laundry or whatever he'll be like helping 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 <laughs> Nice. So he, he, he's got the desire to continue the conversation, yet he's limited in the, 
the um, vocabulary that he's using, saying helping multiple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see him get frustrated a lot because he tries to talk all the time, but Mm. half the time we're like, dude, I have no idea what you're trying to say here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's kind of, that's like interesting to think about, like how, how, like the depth of his thinking, but it's kind of like limited to like what we can understand just by what he can convey. Interesting. Yeah. Like he could be thinking like on such a deeper level. Yeah. You know. I think that's a great point because I always think that it's the child who is limited in his expression, but it's also true that we're limited in our understanding. Like the child is physically and verbally expressing him, his or herself, and mm-hmm. we are hearing what we hear. It's like 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 Ian said, "Sorry, dude, I can't yeah. I can't understand you." Well, whose fault is it? Is it your child's fault for not having developed a strong vocabulary yet, <laughs> or or is it our fault for you know we're we're fallen creatures. We're not in perfect Eden yet. Uh, perfect Eden then or yet to come. So our, even our ability to understand based on our hearing. There's a lot of times where I probably won't have a problem understanding somebody once I can finally hear them. Like, huh? What? Sorry? Say again? It's not a matter of me misunderstanding. It's a matter of me mishearing. Mm. And I think, like, you know, it doesn't even have to go that that deep more than like sometimes like we get so used to articulating a certain way or hearing certain patterns of speech where you know if someone doesn't have good grammar like i know sometimes like if 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 a few words are off or 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 switched or someone just stutters i'll i'll be completely lost in the conversation oh because i'm so used to hearing things articulated a certain way and in a certain order Mm -hmm. we get so conditioned in that way that, that sometimes even even if it's a coherent thought and even if it's articulated fairly well it can just be completely lost yeah yeah I wonder if that was one of Moses you know Moses is always kind of um, portrayed as a stutterer or he, he himself said he was slow of, of speech and mm-hmm. so Aaron had to step up and, and do the speaking form and so I wonder, in terms of his leadership, if that was if that almost limited him as well. Like you know, you think of leaders that are strong speakers or or um, smooth speakers. Well, oh, oh, that's funny. So again, another tangent in my head. Like the serpent was smoother than any of the other animals in the um, in the garden. That word smoother or crafty. That word of um, Satan or the serpent in the garden means like a smooth talker is almost the the perception there. I, I think a um, a used car salesman, so to speak, kind of like a um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God bless those used car salesmen. But but this idea like that. Tread lightly. What's that? Tread lightly. Yeah, but that's the idea of you know Satan was a smooth talker. And what did he do? He led Adam astray. Well, he led Eve astray, and then Adam rebelled. And Moses, was Moses, by his own admission, was not a smooth talker. And God's like, okay, well, I'll use you to, to lead the nation of Israel. It's just right. kind of funny how God flips the script like that. Like, you, you're great at talking. I don't trust you. <laughs> you suck at talking. Hey, I'm going to use you. Let, let's go. I've got yeah. an idea. <laughs> so in terms of language... Tower of Babel, without getting too far into theological things, that's like a huge transition in the story. Like, 
Okay, yeah, you already had the flood. God already dealt with humanity's sin in the flood. And now humanity's working together again. And God's like, huh, I'll just change their languages so they can't understand one another. And then you've got those who could understand one another grouped together. And, you know, that's scripturally there's your table of nations, so to speak, or your why why you have different languages and different people groups because at the tower they were separated. And any thoughts on that? Well it's interesting because like just the way you mentioned it kinda makes me think of like that was maybe like the second greatest like restart point for humanity. Mm -hmm. Like after the flood obviously because they're Noah, his sons, their wives you know, that was it. Yep. And they had to, to restart and rebuild. And then you've got, I think that's the next big sort of restart point because now, how do you run a society where, you know, no one can understand each other? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're seeing some of that today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might be able to understand each other in terms of language, but not in terms of definition and commu- yeah, and communication. So there's, yeah, when when somebody else says love, I know what I I understand the word love, but they probably mean something different than I mean. Well, shoot, even the Greeks had four different words yeah. for love, at least four: agape, eros, um, storge, and philia. Yeah. So, Ian, Tower of Babel and love and language. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought you had there, Tanner. Um, it's it's like a second restarting. So. When, um, how long after the flood was the Tower of Babel? Boy, we'd have to go back and research and, and do the math. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know off the top of my head either. You could probably trace it when it says, you know, Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and they begot this person, they begot them, and they lived to be this many years old. I'm sure some scholars know the answer to that. I don't. Okay. Well, it raises an interesting question is, uh, are we going to have another restart? That's a good question. I would say we already did, and that was Christ's resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. I think the gospel was the, the final restart. Um, True. And, and, well, and you know, actually, I would, I would stop myself and ask, what do you mean by restart? Because culturally in America, I think we're actually probably looking at a, a restart before long, depending on how things go. Mm. But globally, depending on how global powers want to... Um, exercise their authority there they may be attempting another restart of their own but i would say biblically in term, terms of god's kingdom we won't because what christ initiated with his death death burial and resurrection is you know if you look at daniel chapter 2 and the rock that crushed the statue and the the rock that grew into a large mountain representing the kingdom of god or and, and then the authority and anyway all that to say I don't think there's going to be any kind of significant restart that God is doing other than what he's already done um, at the cross. I think that's the, the final restart until until Christ returns. I think, huh. yeah, and I, I, want, I want to hear what you have to say, Ian, but I, I also think, like, magnitude is a huge difference because, like, you know, Christ's death, resurrection, burial and resurrection is, is reality-altering, and then mm-hmm. you have the the flood which is world altering and then you have you know the tower of Babel, which is culturally altering and those wow. are three huge steps yeah of of magnitude um especially if we if we throw in like um 
have just a nation's sort of restart, which really, <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, and that, I think, like you said, nations restart culturally. I, I would say that might might be where we're heading in America. I, mm-hmm. I think I already said that, but that's I, I really like your, your depth that you pulled out in, in terms of, um, or what did you call it? Magnitude. Magnitude. Yeah, yeah, that to me was fascinating how you said each restart um, globally, culturally, and um, reality. reality. That's that's um, a significant point to make that all three restarts occurred because of what God did, and they all impacted similarly yet differently. Right. So, yeah. Ian? Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Um, and this could be this could be my just my dumb brain really really dumbing down God, but um, it kind of almost seems like okay, God created us to begin with, and he's like, well, they all turned evil. That didn't really work. Well, I'll get the flood, and I'll wipe them all out, except for these couple people. And then, uh, you know, that didn't work, quote-unquote. You know, they built the Tower of Babel, and God was like, oh, I don't like that, so I'll try this. And then, um, you know, that didn't work. Everyone's evil again, and or, you know, never stop being evil, actually. Um, and then it was almost like the third time was like, well, this time... I'm actually going to send my own son and completely change the way that I relate to people. Um, you know, that I speak with people or, or, you know, communicate with people. And so it's almost interesting. It's a, it's almost like, Oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. Oh, now I'm going to do this. The final thing, which is Jesus. That's cool too. Cause when you were saying that, it made me think I would answer the question about a new restart as yes, all the time in individuals, because mm. Uh, so, so I mentioned the gospel and Jesus and the kingdom expanding, and that's the final restart. But the final restart occurs with a lot of little individual restarts. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Um, Paul told the church in Corinthians, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So that alone is like, yes, every every time the gospel is preached, and the Holy Spirit opens up the ears of, of listeners and, and re- regenerates their spirits, there is a new restart in individuals. So the final restart at the cross is continually the new restart in each individual who is, who is the elect of God. I think that's, that's kind of cool connection is, no, there is no more restart because God, the gospel is the answer. But yes, every time there's a new believer, there's a new restart. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. You're probably right there. That's, I love these conversations because you guys keep popping the ideas into my head, and I think we, mm-hmm. it's it's a fun conversation. To, things I never even thought about until until we challenge each other with these these questions. Native American languages. So when we so okay, not to get too political. That's not even political. It's just cultural. So it's not the Washington Redskins anymore. It's just the Washington football team, right? Yep. Um, for all you football fans out there, <laughs> because it, it's um, it is interesting. I I don't want to get too far off on people's hurt feelings and how to how to deal with that. But I will say I think the American culture, by and large, does not have a an, a real true appreciation for or understanding of the Native American people. And let me explain myself by saying that. Um, According to Siebens and Julian, if I'm pronouncing them, pronouncing their names correctly, uh, I'm finding this in an Essentials of Sociology textbook. 
Native Americans today speak 169 different languages and they do not think of themselves as a single people who fit neatly within a single label. So when we say Native Americans, we know what we're talking about. You know, we can communicate by saying that. We, we mm -hmm. say it and people understand it. The Washington Redskins, the Atlanta Braves, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, all of those teams represent a Native American group. But 169 languages just within the Native Americans? Okay, that doesn't even mean French, Spanish, um, Portuguese, Italian, and those four are all Latin-based, and there's four languages out of that. Um, English is a strange hybrid of, you know, Greek and German with, you know, with Latin in there as well. Um, so where does the number even go to? Like 169 just of different Native American people groups, you know, um, Blackfeet, Sioux, Nez Pierce, etc. What does that leave us in terms of our ability to relate with others or to appreciate them culturally <laughs> unless we start by asking the question, hey, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Tell me about your background. You know, I think asking that question is a good place to start. Yeah, I think, I think we see that, you know, in Montana a fair amount because when you visit one reservation, you know, it, it can it can be one way and then and then you go to another and it's completely different and people have this this you know i don't there's some people who have these preconceived ideas of of what every single one is like when in reality not only are they they different people from different areas but we're talking about entire ancestries and heritages and cultures mm -hmm. that factor in and you know there are tons of other things political and what have you but I, I think you're right there's kind of a misunderstanding that we that there's this umbrella grouping um with little sort of um i guess consciousness given to the fact that you know the blackfeet tribe is massively different from the navajo sure you know those are two completely different lifestyles two completely different cultures and heritages mm -hmm. um and yeah i don't think that's hardly ever addressed yeah yeah. Ian, Ian, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, um, the, the thought, and, you know, my brain goes to, to weird places. Good. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm in good company, I guess. Um, so I'm wondering if now, and, and as a side note, I think that America in general has trouble understanding other cultures, just yeah. in a general sense. But specifically in this case, I'm wondering if it's like a thing where we don't want to understand it mm -hmm. because we're not even really taught the, the real history of it, of like what happened to the Native Americans when we came over here. Um, you know, we basically slaughtered a lot of them and you know mistreated them and all that kind of stuff and so i'm wondering if that is a thing where it's like in our brains like oh we don't even want to think about it so that's why we don't and we don't look into it and we just kind of you know it's 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 tough to take is what i'm saying sure yeah i think part of that though is is almost is is like and i i, I hate using this word so much but it's like a sort of identity thing where 
and at least for me somewhat in school it was taught that um, you know this is what we did to the Native Americans right I didn't do anything right yep. my parents never did anything my grandparents never did anything you know yep while it might be you know my ancestors or or some ants you know some people's ancestors far enough back you know we sort of associate ourselves with maybe I don't want to learn about it because I feel like I was responsible mm -hmm. and I think you see that on the other side too that you know there there might still be these feelings of, of hurt and and I'd understand that you know from from an ancestral perspective but people who are living on the reservations today weren't enslaved they weren't you know massacred they didn't fight battles against the United States mm -hmm. um, so I, I I totally agree that that there's sort of like this this willingness to like separate ourselves from it, but that's just I I think in my mind that's why, is because we're kind of conditioned that like maybe we were somewhat responsible for it even though we were, right, we and that's where it gets down to like the Tower of Babel and Native Americans 169 different languages and people groups and. You know, to say we, that's kind of a vague term. I mean, the three right. of us, if we were to say, okay, you know, what's, what's your ancestral background? Okay, I've got some Irish and some German and, you know, whatever else. And I think, honestly, I think I've got some Native American, but I don't know how far back. I don't know, you know. I think on my dad's side, my mom, my mom's grandma is half Danish. Her mom, my great-grandma, came, um, came over from Denmark. So it's like, when you say we... It's like, well, what does that even mean? Especially when we're talking about, oh, our our poor and our, our terrible ancestors were were mean to your ancestors. Well, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah, it's it's difficult to, you know. And I think there's there's been enough time where that sort of muddies up, and and maybe that needs to be recognized that, you know, it's it's hard to tell. Yep. Yeah, like I said, my, my great-grandma came over from Denmark. I'm sure she had nothing to do with... Okay, and I'm sure she was a sinner who needed God's grace, who wasn't perfect. But I also, I'm sure she had nothing to do with the abuse, abuse of Native Americans um, uh, on a fundament, fundamental level. And I think I'm getting a little off. I don't, our goal isn't necessarily to talk about Native Americans and the, the abuse in the past. But before we move on, any other thoughts on that? No? I think so. Okay. So I'm going to bring up Native Americans again, but it's going to be a language, cultural communication in terms of the gospel. I think I have two quotes this week. We're going to at least get through one quote while we have time. Uh, this is by Richard Twist. It's called Rescuing the Gospel from the Cowboys, a Native American Expression of the Jesus Way. And he says here, Contextualization is a relational process of theological and cultural reflection within a community. Seeking to incorporate traditional symbols, music, dance, ceremony, and ritual to make faith in Jesus a truly local expression. And I think the issue there, you know, we're Western thinkers in the 21st century, so when we talk about Jesus, we struggle to really get a, a you know, first century Greek and Roman understanding and Jewish understanding, or even a near e an ancient near eastern understanding of the old testament because we're in our culture and our day and yet for native americans if here, here's the point and i don't want to get too far off again for native americans we don't we don't say hey why don't you become white westerners when, mm -hmm. when presenting the gospel the goal is not to make them white westerners the goal is to right. say 
hey, you're Native Americans, that's cool. You're you're a Blackfoot, that's cool. You're 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 Iroquois, that's cool. Let me tell you about Jesus. So, so there is this issue in in that when Western is Western expansion took place, and you know. Europeans began to spread across the continent, bringing the gospel with them, which is a good thing. They also unfortunately brought them European understanding and westernization with them, which sure. was not necessarily a good thing. That's so, when it became more the culture over the gospel. Yes. Yep. Like, let me bring you my God, who is Jesus, who died for your sins, who died for native sins, who died for Blackfeet sins, who died for... Um, Jesus did not die for only uh, the Western ideal. He died for the Chinese and the Japanese and the Blackfoot, etc., et um, and, and the Danish and those silly Irishmen. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I, I feel like before we uh, go and um, impose our, our ideas and our thoughts on other people, we should probably kind of decide between ourselves because us westerners we can't even decide on a lot of things because we have so many different denominations um baptist presbyterian for some reason my brain's blank and i can't think of anymore but you know what i mean we can't even decide on what we believe is right amongst ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's gonna be theological differences you know no doubt which is fine but i, but I agree with your point let's put those theological differences aside for the sake of the kingdom and for your neighbor for you know if, if this person needs to hear the gospel and he fits in better with a presbyterian group than he does with a baptist group then who cares what church he's going to as long as he's hearing the gospel preached and why can't we work together in those in those scenarios so my next quote today is from The Lost World of Genesis 1, Ancient Cosmology and the Origins Debate by John Walton. And he says this in terms of understanding the Old Testament. He says, Language assumes a culture, operates in a culture, serves a culture, and is designed to communicate into the framework of a culture. And there's more to that that I, I don't necessarily want to share right now because we're getting a little bit low on time. But language and culture are intertwined if you want to properly understand a culture you have to learn the language and in and in learning the language you're gaining more insight into the culture as well um i had a thought okay okay i'm going to share this thought and i want to hand it over to you guys okay so i got two extremes here one is richard twist talking about how the gospel needs to be presented in a cultural context the other is Walton who's saying if you even want to understand the Bible in the first place, you can't read it through 21st century American eyes. You have to read it somewhat in a Middle ancient Near Eastern understanding. And so you got the two extremes. One is the gospel has to be applicable to the culture in which you are presenting it. Now the culture, the, the gospel is always relevant regardless of the timeline or the culture. The gospel is always relevant, but present it culturally and then two, what are you getting out of the scripture if you're trying to read it into your own culture? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's got to land somewhere in between. It can't be one or the other because, of course, I'm going to read it through the lens of my own culture. It's my own culture. I don't necessarily know 
I'm in my own culture, you know, like, of course, if I, if I think about it and, and, you know, yeah, okay, I can recognize, oh, this is a cultural thing. That's a cultural thing. Most of the time, um, I'm just doing my thing the best way I know how. Mm-hmm. So like when I read the Bible, yeah, it's going to mean something to me. Um, and don't get me wrong. I feel like the, there's, there's absolute truth behind the Bible. So I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's necessarily, um, different ways to interpret it, certain things, but, um, right. I, yeah, I feel like I have to take this and relate it to my own culture for me to really fully understand it. Sure. You know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, and that's that's a good point too. Um, we're at twenty eight and a half minutes, so I'm gonna shut myself up because I know I over talked. Tanner, you want any other feedback on that? I, I don't. Yeah. So uh, Ian, I like how you brought out the the absolute truth or objective truth in there because it, it, it you were almost and I, I know you caught yourself. Um, and I think we have a tendency not we again I say we vaguely but or broadly, a lot of people have a tendency to just personalize it like. Oh, oh, this is God talking to me here. Like Je- Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to harm you. Plans to give you... No, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future, right? And and a lot of Christians love that Bible verse, and they personalize it. But really, the the Jews are in exile in Babylon when Jeremiah is, is, is preaching that, uh, prophesying that. And so... Um, and not only that, there's other there's other verses in Jeremiah that if someone were to personalize it, it would be like, oh, you really think God is saying that to you personally? Yeah. So and God sometimes talks collectively to the nation of Israel, and sometimes, although much less often, he'll talk specifically to an individual. Most of the Bible is corporately. It's like, hey, Israel, listen up. Um, or, or today it would be like, hey, church, listen up. Um, oh boy, that's going to be a whole nother conversation. We're at almost at 30 minutes. So I was, was going to, I was going to say there's, there's a sort of idea called the Disney princess effect that I've, I've discussed with, with people uh-huh. is exactly that, but we could say that for another time. Sure. Yeah. This was a great conversation and then maybe we can continue it. Cause there's so much more we can cover. Uh, do you guys want to close us out? Don't forget to, uh, like and subscribe and share. Yeah. Tell your friends. Yeah, and tell your friends to tell their friends. And we'll see you guys next week. God bless.